Welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast with Sarah Manderscheid and Austin Myers. We are here to talk about all things running and life to elevate you, not only in training, but also in your personal journey and relationships. We believe in lifting others high and supporting you not just in training, but how to also help you maximize the life you want to live. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to stay up to date on all future episodes and leave a review through the platform in which you're listening. Your support helps us to continue to build a community of like-minded people who strive to elevate their body, mind, and spirit through running. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast. This is episode number 18, and you are here with your host, myself, Austin Myers, and my partner, Sarah Manderscheid. Sarah, how are you doing today? Hello, Austin. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning. We are recording, quote unquote, live, (laughs) which is going to be a new thing um, this summer, and it's really exciting and fun and doing great, doing great. Yeah. So uh, just to give some context for our listeners, we've kind of bounced around days for when we've recorded this podcast. Um, We originally started recording on Fridays and we would upload on Tuesdays. That day's then shifted and we kind of just came to the conclusion that we wanted to be able to share topics that were as relevant to the day that we're releasing the podcast as we can. So we're going to begin today recording and publishing the podcast every single Tuesday. And then as we've done uh, over the previous few months, there will be a few special weeks in there where we have uh, more than one upload just to to fit with things going on in the running world, in our lives, um, and to be able to connect with you all more frequently. So yeah, it's a Tuesday. We're feeling strong. I, you know, Tuesday is kind of the day where you're you're through the Monday. You've got the energy. <laughs> There's still hope. And uh, we're feeling There's good. So happy to be here There's with you. Still hope. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yeah. I had an email run this morning. It felt okay. Um, you know, training isn't linear, right? And I just had one of those runs where I guess I've had a few now, actually, last few days. Um, that it was just tough. It was tough going uphill for four miles and then running downhill for four felt tolerable. So <laughs> I think a lot of it's allergies right now. I think a lot of listeners can relate to that and that's okay. It's okay. So I'm hydrating, setting myself up for success as best as I can with uh, a big workout, track workout tomorrow. Yeah, sounds great. Well, let's kick it off with our elevated moments as we do every single week. Sarah, I know you have an elevated moment and I also know that you have one to share from a listener. So go ahead. Yeah, we're going to start with the listeners elevated moment. This is from Chapin. Chapin, um, I know through um, my coach, Tucker, as well as through Instagram. So some background on Chapin. Um, You know, a lot of people were kind of up in arms that the Boston Marathon last fall was following the one day after the Chicago Marathon, right? It was a big deal. And a lot of people thought, gosh, like, I don't want to choose between the two. Well, Chapin didn't have to choose between the two because Chapin 
ran Chicago on Sunday, um, October 10th, one of the warmest days for the Chicago marathon in the history of the race. It was about, I think it's 72, 73, 74 degrees at the start, 80% humidity, just brutal. Um, he BQ'd at Chicago. So big shout out to that, uh, accomplishment. It's huge. Not only to do, I mean, Chicago is a great course, but the weather's brutal. And then he got on a plane, flew to Boston, ran the Boston marathon the next morning and BQ'd there. How amazing is that? So Chapin is like a super athlete. Um, so super, super fun to see and witness that through Instagram last fall. And, um, his elevated moment of the week is, you know, he has been dealing with some injuries, um, lately he ran Boston, um, last month and I believe tore a calf muscle or did something along those lines during the race that happened around mile seven, he still finished the race. Um, but he just recently got cleared to jog again and that his moment his elevated moment of the week is realizing after not after finally getting clear to jog that not every race is a win. It's impossible to always hit your A goals. Without tough races, we wouldn't have a chance to grow and learn. And I think that's super, super relevant. I think, you know, some days we show up and we just crush it like Chapin did, you know, last fall. And he had these awesome back-to-back BQ marathons less than 24 hours apart. And then there's also races where we show up and maybe the fitness is there, but maybe the weather is not in our favor. There's other things going on, or you tear a calf muscle, or there's something that is um, something that you get to learn and grow from, which I would still consider a win. Um, Anytime that we have a chance as humans and as athletes to take something negative and turn it into a positive or take out the wins and grow and learn from and apply it again, um, the next time you have the opportunity, or as I like to say, the universe gives you another uh, test to see how you do in that moment. Um, that's kind of fun too. So thanks to Chapin for sharing that. I think it's awesome. I know he's feeling strong, feeling ready. I get to meet him in person in Chicago. He's running it again this fall, which is awesome. And, um, hopefully I get to run with him in uh, Boston again next year too. So that'll be fun. Okay. So getting back to, let's get back to my elevated moment. So I, kind of piggybacking off of Chapin had, um, I had a long run on Saturday. I had four miles, easy four miles at goal marathon pace, four miles at goal, half marathon pace. Um, I was coming off of a big week. I ran, um, a 62nd 5k PR the weekend before, which was incredible. That's a lot of time to take off at three miles people. So, um, it felt really good. I was second female overall, riding that high. I was at home with my family, my friends doing a lot of, uh, walking, running time on feet. Um, got back to Boulder late last week, went into a long run on Saturday morning. It was hot, hotter than what I'm used to, right? I think it was about 70, maybe about 70 degrees when I started, maybe a little bit under that. Anyways, got into the workout, wasn't feeling it from the start. My allergies have been kicking in. I have a headache. 
I just feel congested. My nose is running. Like I just don't feel my usual peppy self. Um, didn't want to run this workout alone. Didn't want to do goal pace work on the route that I chose yet. I still chose it. And at the end of the day, when I went into it, you know, goal marathon pace felt fine, but goal half marathon pace did not feel fine. People like I completely blew up 10 miles into it. So with two miles left at goal half marathon pace, which I actually wasn't even hitting pace. I was 15 seconds off. It felt harder than running the 5k the weekend before I called it and jogged it for the last two miles. And you know, didn't have any of those running endorphins that typically, you know, you find yourself in after a long run. So why is this my elevated moment of the week and not the 5k race that I ran the week before? It's because I learned a lot about this run, very similar to Austin when he ran some goal pace work early on the training cycle and it didn't go well. I learned that I can't just show up to these runs expecting the pace to be there, right? I chose a sunny route. I chose a route that I wasn't really excited about. I got out way too late in the morning, quote unquote, like 7.40, 7.45 is when I started. But the, the route was uh, completely sunny. There was no shade. So it was hot from the start. Um I think I fueled okay, but um, had my water bottle that worked well, but just wasn't feeling it. Right. Um, there were other routes I could have chosen to do this workout and I could have enrolled people. I've asked, I asked a few people and they couldn't go with me. So then I just stopped there and it would have been great to, you know, have someone there with me. So, um, I learned a lot from it and I know if anything, it's going to fuel the fire to show up, um, as strong as I possibly can for the next goal pace long run. Yeah, I, I think that definitely um, is an important elevated moment to share. And if my memory serves me correctly, the long run that you were mentioning that I struggled with a few months ago, I used as my elevated moment then um, mm. as well. And I think we have to acknowledge those moments because, yeah. you know, we have highs and lows in life and in training. And if we're able to better appreciate each of those, both the highs and the lows, it really just, that's where the lessons, you know, get learned. You, you're going to learn from the moments that you struggle. And then when you succeed, and I've felt this a few times throughout the training cycle that we're currently in, when you succeed, you look back to that day that you struggled. And it really just magnifies all that you did to get there and to achieve that success. And again, like I said, lessons learned, you're going to yeah. take, you know, what did I do on this day that I had success? And how can I continue to implement that moment? Um, so that when I need to perform to a certain level, I'm able to, um, and Sarah, for you, I mean, we've, we have a full episode on this stress is stress, right? Travel yeah. is very, very hard. Um, especially coming off of a big performance in a race. So to travel midweek, um, have work constantly looming and then getting into a really big long run. Um, that's hard stress is stress. Yeah. So, um, just embracing that trying to really understand what happened. They're not excuses, they're reasons. Um, and we can adapt those reasons and um, use them to better inform future performances. And that's, that's really what we try to do as coaches. That's what we look for our athletes to be able to do as well. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the name of the game in all athletics and sports. I think so too. Like, 
you know, the universe continuously tests me on putting boundaries and saying no. And, you know, I had a great conversation with my coach on Saturday about it because I got home late Wednesday night. I opened my schedule up and for coaching calls, because I felt the need to have a lot of availability for my athletes because I was on vacation for the last week or so. And what it did was it set up two back to back to back to back days. Austin, you know, this, I was sending you an audio note saying like, I literally can't talk. Like I have back to back stuff all day long for both days. I was exhausted going into a long run of that caliber of hitting some goal pace work or eight miles at goal pace work, which was a big jump too, for me. So I was a little in my head about it. I will totally admit that. Um, there was just too much going on. So it's always a great reminder for me to slow my roll. I love saying yes to everything and everyone. And usually I'm the one that pays the price. So, um, so now I get to lean into that and rein in kind of my schedule, um, too, but at the same time, I also feel like it's important to share these moments. I'm a very, you know, if you follow me on social media, you might think my life is perfect. It is not, it is not sunshine and rainbows every single day. Like there are really tough moments. A lot of times I don't share them. Um, but the ones that I do share it's, you know, to show you that it happens to everyone and there's a way that you can grow and learn from it. And there's also a place to have gratitude for it too, right? Like still finding the good in it and using that moving forward as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for my elevated moment, we are officially in taper. Um, so this past, this past uh, weekend, this past Saturday um, yeah. was kind of that final big long run. And, you know, that's something that I advocated for coming in, Sarah, you and I discussed whether we were going to do uh, two by five, as far as miles at goal pace, or if we were going to do 10 straight. Um, I wanted 10 straight. I wanted to feel that, that amount of time at goal pace. Um, and I'm really excited with how it went. Uh, it was definitely an elevated moment of my training, um, hit the, the goal miles and really made sure that in the days coming into that workout that I replicated, um, the days that will proceed race day as closely as I could, um, refining my approach, practicing a carb load coming into the big workout race day or training day morning this past Saturday morning, I woke up at the exact time that I'm going to wake up um, on race day in Buffalo. I went through the same exact nutrition plan. I made sure yeah. that it worked for me and I went out there and, you know, I, I really just thought through like it was a physically hard workout, but mentally I was able to hone into race day scenarios, um, just envisioning like what the course is going to feel like and being able to hit the goal miles. Um, it felt good. It was, it was a really exciting moment going into a taper. Now it's time to embrace the taper, which can sometimes be the hardest part for athletes. Um, and just, you know, taking advantage of that taper, trusting the training that got us here. And then, um, when race day morning gets here, it is time to perform. That's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, you crushed this workout. You didn't just crush it. There's like exclamation points behind the word crush. 
And I can say that because I'm your coach and I'm looking at the data. Like literally I loved, you know, that conversation around, do you want two by five? There's benefits to that. When you have like a little bit of recovery time in between the five mile increments, or do you want to go 10 straight, which is a little bit harder in different ways. And we've done a lot of those smaller intervals, right? Like we did the two by four and um, two by three, and maybe we've had like eight miles or something at goal pace, but it's nice to have that 10, right? Maybe we did like two by five with some like pausing in between. I think maybe I told you just to stand for 10 minutes, (laughs) Um, which has a lot of benefits too as well, but you completely crushed it and not just crushed it. Like you hit our a goal pace and you ran faster than that. Like you ran 25 seconds faster than goal pace for your last mile. And I think, you know, it just shows and your heart rate was like, so dialed, like it just shows a lot of great things that you get to lean into on race day. But what we really want to talk today in today's episode, we're going to talk about how Austin set himself up for success on this training run from the athlete perspective, because I was watching this all on all unfold last week on social media as his coach. I didn't know this was happening, but as an athlete, I got to follow along in his journey through his stories. And it was really, really fun. I geeked out on it. So I feel like let's talk about it. Let's talk about how athletes can set themselves up for success. You know, last week we talked a little bit about how you can hire a coach and the coach is going to do everything that the coach can do to set the athlete up for success. And the athlete gets to also show up and do what they can do to set themselves up for success. So Austin, do you want to walk us through like how you started last week and why you decided to do this maybe first and foremost, and then walk us through the progress and the progression through last week up through, uh, your huge long run on Saturday morning. Yeah. So my goal coming into the long run was to make every single variable um, as close to race day morning as possible. And I think the beautiful thing about this was that I am going to feel better after the taper than I do right now, um, or than I did coming into the workout. So we, we had had multiple really challenging weeks coming into that final long run. Uh, My legs were certainly feeling it. Um, You know, it it was approaching time for a recovery week, which is perfect as you enter the taper. But my goal was to make sure that with those tired legs, I had every other variable locked in. And for me, that was practicing a carb load. So, um, you know, when looking at a carb load, we basically want to take our body weight and we want to multiply that by Sarah. What, what are the exact numbers that you find the range? Yeah. Three to five grams per body pound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, it's a lot. Um, (laughs) so for me, it was funny because I actually weighed myself for the first time in a very long time to, to be able to do that math. But for me at 174 pounds, um, I was, I multiplied that by about three and a half. um, And that helped me to arrive to about 650. So 650 grams of carbs um, per day. So a three-day carb load is typically what's prescribed when um, working towards a big performance. So for me, that started on Wednesday. 
It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then performance on Saturday. Um, really, the only change that we're going to have coming into Buffalo is the races on Sunday. So the carb load will start Thursday, which is actually great because Thursday is our travel day. We can go to the grocery store Thursday, load up on nutrition, and uh, really just settle into Buffalo. But, you know, the, the importance behind this was not just fueling the performance. That was almost a byproduct. The importance of practicing this carb load was recognizing areas where it could go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't perfect. Like, first of mm -hmm. all, I've never carb loaded in my life. I did not do it for my first marathon in November, but I want to get as much out of myself on May 29th as possible. So I want to optimize my approach. And we talked about this on a recent episode and carb loading was a method that we can use. So coming into Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I decided, all right, I'm going to shoot for about 650 grams of carbs in doing that you know, with a carb load, we don't want the calories to spike. We want calories to be pretty much maintained for a normal day. Um, but we want to increase carbs. Protein typically is going to remain the same for what is normal for us. For me, my protein is about a gram per pound of body weight. So I'll hit 170 grams of protein in a day, 650 grams of carbs, and then the fat has to be lowered. Mm -hmm. And that's really the primary emphasis of a carb load beyond simply getting the carbohydrates in is lowering the fats. And that's going to help for a few reasons. Number one, a lower fat diet is going to make it easier to eat more carbs. And something that I learned along this, you know, three day journey is that I might even want to drop protein a little bit. Protein digests slower than any other macronutrient. So for me, trying to optimize my carbohydrate intake, I feel like I may see some benefit dropping protein and then having fat low um, and basically arriving to a very similar caloric expenditure or caloric intake that we're going to have on a normal basis. So let's say I'm eating 34 to 3,600 calories a day, we're still going to be hitting that caloric intake, but we're going to have 650, maybe even more, I'd like to really get up to 700 grams of carbs in the three days leading into Buffalo. And these lessons are not learned unless I practice this leading into my final long run, or, you know, I practice this at some point in my training cycle. And that's why I wanted to do it. Um, and Sarah, you mentioned I was sharing it on social media. Um, I didn't have to share it on social media. I wanted to because I felt like it was a really interesting topic for people to see. Like, let's replicate our approach to race day as closely as possible. But I also wanted to be extremely transparent in the fact that it, um, all in all, it was pretty had is that fat was a little bit high. It's not very hard for me to hit a higher level of fat. And um, like I said, I think protein can be a little bit lower to help me hit a higher gram um, of carbs. So that's really helped me. And it's going to help to refine my approach leading into race day. And um, I, I believe that there is a very big benefit to be gained from a proper carb load 
also optimizing your electrolyte intake um, as that's a huge means of hydration. Um, Saturday that I did this long run was 90% humidity. So the fact that we had a high humidity, the temperatures probably topped out at about 70, 72 degrees, but that's a warm day for a long run for fast Very miles. Warm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, electrolytes are huge. They're absolutely crucial um, in allowing us to perform. So that was a part of it as well. Um, and then, like I mentioned, race day morning um, was replicated as well. I came into the morning. I woke up at the same exact time that I'm going to wake up um, on May 29th. I fueled the same exact way. I tried to put myself in a very similar headspace that I will when I begin the marathon. Same sorts of dynamic warm up. Um, and then right into it. That's awesome. I love this for so many reasons. Like you, Austin controlled every single thing that you could control with this long run, right? Like you set yourself up for success with practicing the things that a lot of times we practice in taper, right? Um, I had a lot of athletes run, you know, the Colorado marathon, they all carbo loaded for the first time. I know when I went through, Boston, my second marathon ever. It was the first time I tried to carbo load and like, it's hard. It's so much harder than you think it is. It's, you know, my athlete, Jason said this at dinner the night before the Colorado marathon, he's like, it's fun for about half a day. And that is so true. And then after that, it's like gross. And, um, and it's just not fun, but we, you know, we can try and make it as fun as, as possible. Right. Um, so there's a lot of creative things that you can do, but at the same time, like I loved watching your stories last week because every day it was like the, my fitness pal screenshot. And then you were like, Oh, this is what I did. This is what didn't work. This is what worked. And this is what I'm going to do differently tomorrow. And then we got to see that the next day and like how, you know, fat was a big issue for you on the first day. Like you were consuming way too much fat and you couldn't hit your carbohydrate intake. Right. Um, so it's really, really important. Um, you know, if you know, you don't have to do this. It all depends on like how you want to set yourself up for success, right? If it's something that's important to you and you want to see how this works, maybe don't wait until the actual taper, um, practice it like Austin did because it's huge. I know Austin was with me in Mesa when I was trying to carbo load and it still was like, you know, I was still trying to fine tune it on the last day. And I was complaining Poor Austin and Abby had to hear me complain about how sick I was of like eating, um, <laughs> just eating in general, but just, I was over it. And I'd carbo loaded maybe the month before that for Houston too. So there was just a lot going on. Um, but it makes a huge difference, right? I think I've shared on this podcast, like if you have the exact same runner, runner A, runner B, one carbo loads, one doesn't, it's a six and they're running a three thirty marathon. It's a six minute difference between the two. So now that Austin has the 3.5 grams kind of dialed in, he knows what's going to work with his stomach, right? That's the other piece of it too. He knows how to kind of shift into, all right, maybe I was eating too much fat. So this is kind of roughly how I add fat into my diet. If it's a little bit of nut butter in the morning and then that's it or whatever that looks like. Um, I think that's a huge component and just knowing what's going to work. So 
we've talked about this before too, like when it comes to race week and something happens that's out of your control, you get to lean into your routine and what you're comfortable with knowing like you've carbo loaded, you've dialed this in, um, you have your hydration dialed in. Um, did you practice, uh, your hydration throughout the week, Austin? With like electrolytes and, um, did you practice like hitting the levels that you wanted to hit there? Yeah. Yeah. And I will say I wasn't as, um, specific with the amount of, um, electrolytes as far as, you know, milligrams of sodium and things like that, but I do have an electrolyte powder that I use. And then I also have a carbohydrate powder um, and most of these sports performance um, carbohydrate powders are also pretty complete um, profiles of electrolytes within those. And I will say that was also a learning point throughout this process is like embrace some of those liquid forms of carbohydrate. Um, Use those carbohydrate powders at times where you may not typically use them. So we're used to using them immediately before the run, during the run, and maybe finishing up with some of them after the run as a recovery tool. But don't be afraid as you get to the end of your evening and you need some more carbohydrates to throw some carbohydrate powder into a a bottle and and drink on that because it's going to give you more carbs. It's going to give you more electrolytes. And the thing that we're trying to do is store those carbohydrates so that we can use them on race day. So you want more than you need for multiple days leading into the race. You're going to store that and you are going to use every bit of it in a really strong race day performance. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the liquid format of carbohydrates, right? Like coconut water, Gatorade, um, nutrition or, um, powders for, you know, running and, um, I'm thinking tailwind scratch, things like that. They're awesome. They're so, so, so great. And, um, and it's a really great way to set yourself up for success. It's a really great 1% plus needle mover in the game of racing, right? Like setting yourself up for success and knowing what's going to work on race day and race week, especially if you're traveling, that's the other big piece to this too, right? You said you're traveling on Thursday, the race is Sunday. That's day one of your carbo load intake, right? Maybe even if it's not like knowing that once you get into New York, you get to go to the grocery store and you're going to already know what's going to work versus wandering around the store, wondering what you should get and what's going to work with your stomach. What's not going to work with your stomach and just being stressed about it because the more relaxed you can be on race week, the better for sure. And I love that you practice like waking up at that time. I think that is critical. I highly, highly, highly suggest that to all of my athletes. Um, the one athlete that comes to mind, his name is Tom, Tom, if you're listening, you're amazing. He ran Chicago last year. So super hot. And I would talk to Tom every single week about how he gets to wake up early to get his long runs in and he wouldn't do it. He was doing his long runs in the heat of the day in Denver or in superior. And, you know, I kept talking to him about like how he's, you know, it could be difficult to wake up and get going for 7am marathon. Well, it turns out 
Chicago was so hot. He was one of the only people I know who hit his A goal. He wanted to run a sub four marathon. The dude crushed it and did it because of all the heat training he did um, in Denver last summer. So that was amazing to see. Um, but yeah, it's still super, super, super beneficial to get your body into that zone of waking up early and getting out the door and like, how is your stomach going to feel that early? How are you going to eat your breakfast or your po or your pre run breakfast before you go out? Um, all of those things matter, right? Um, Austin, how many gels did you bring with you and were you consuming gels? Like, did you feel like that part was dialed in? Yeah. Um, so I, I only took, it was an 18 mile run. I had three gels with me. So the plan was, uh, five, 10 and 15. Nice. That will probably be the marathon plan as well. Five, 10, 15, and then 20 because yeah. the marathon obviously being longer. Um, now I did get myself in a situation where, uh, I dropped my handheld bottle on purpose, uh, before I began my 10 miles at pace. I did not want to hold the handheld. Yeah. I don't plan on holding a handheld during the race. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, we're strategizing ab. I'll grab, you know, a sip or two of water. Uh, with a carbohydrate powder in there. That'll be something that's hopefully locked in on race day. Um, but I had two gels that I just held my hand once those uh, marathon pace miles began at mile four, technically the beginning of mile five. Um, ended up taking a gel actually before mile five because yeah. I just felt like I needed it. I'm like, you know, yeah. I, I need a little boost here. Um, and oddly enough, I got a little bit hungry. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this gel at about four and a quarter. Yeah. Um, so that was in a little bit earlier. So then I've got one gel in my hand, which it doesn't bother me to carry a gel, just the bottles, just a little bit too much. It throws me out of a rhythm. Um, and then I Same. took that other gel <laughs> at, uh, might've been 10. It may have been slightly before 10. Um, the marathon pace miles ended after mile 14. Um, and I actually never took that third gel. Uh, I actually didn't get back to my handheld bottle until uh, less than two miles to go in the entire run. So I was in my cool down miles. Um, now, obviously, if this is race day and I'm still holding pace, that gel is going to get, you know, taken. Um, yeah. I'm going to take the gel. But in that moment, understanding that I was near the end of the run and I did have a carbohydrate powder in my bottle, all I wanted was water and sure. um, the electrolytes from that carbohydrate powder because it was getting pretty warm outside. So I just took that in um, and finished up the run um, with cool down pace miles. But uh, yeah, definitely practice that that um, gel consumption plan. And I will say, I don't typically in the past take gels that early. Like I wouldn't take it at five. I would take it at like six or seven. I wouldn't mm -hmm. take an, I wouldn't take a second one at 10. I would take it at um, 13 or, or 14. But you mentioned it earlier, we are looking for that needle to move 1%. And I feel like if I can give myself that boost that I feel that I get from a gel, if I can get that boost a little bit earlier, if I can get in one extra gel that helps me to power through the final miles of the marathon, and that moves the needle 1%, that is what I'm looking for into this race. That's not what I was looking for in my first marathon in November, which is why I was not as meticulous.
meticulous with my plan throughout training. I wasn't as meticulous with my race day plan, but you know, as the progressions are made over months and months of consistent training, that's just where I want to be. I want to see how far we can push it. So I think it's important for our listeners as the takeaway is understand what you want out of your race day experience. Yeah. Do you just want to finish the race? If you do, that's amazing. That's what Mm -hmm. I wanted to do in November. And I had a wonderful time doing it. But maybe as you continue to progress and as you continue to sign up for some races and see your improvement that simply comes along with being consistent and falling in love with the training, if you want to move that needle to even the smallest extent and to see those improvements being made, let's do it. Like, let's set that plan. Let's be extremely meticulous. Let's learn about our body. Let's learn about how we can optimize our approach, both leading up to the performance and also during the performance. And, you know, that's something that I really look forward to doing with some of the athletes that, you know, I hope to coach through Elevate Your Running is if we want to take it there, let's take it there. Um, let's, let's really look deep into this because we can find an absolutely amazing performance from being that meticulous and dialed in with our bodies. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I feel like, you know, we've added some new athletes to the team over the last few weeks. We've actually had a really great month and, um, and they're all committed and they're all willing to show up and, you know, they want the nutrition help. They want the hydration help. They want that support. And that's incredible. And, you know, it definitely comes with, you know, extra time on our side. It shows the commitment on the athlete side and it just creates a win-win. And isn't that a fun thing to create when you're working together with someone, um, playing in the black or playing, you know, win-win is, is a big deal. And it's how I live life. It's how I coach and, you know, having that compromise and finding the right balance between the two parties is something that's really special and something really special can be created because of it. I also love Austin that you just like took the reins and put this in your own hands. You did all of this. You didn't ask permission, not like you even needed permission, but you just did it. And that was what was so exciting from my side to see. It's like, okay, Austin is 110% in, you are so dialed in on this race and seeing what you can create on race day. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you eat and consume spring energy gels, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to note that they're a little bit higher in calories. They're a little bit higher in carbohydrate intake. So, you know, for some people, they love taking gels every three miles. I think that's great. For Austin, he might be leaning a little bit into like the every five, um, but they do carry about 180 calories, 45 grams of carbs. Like they're pretty good. They're great. They're all natural. I used them for a very long time and still use them for training runs. Um, They're absolutely great. So what, but I also, what I love Austin is that you pivoted and shifted in the moment, knowing that at mile four, you were starting to feel like. I actually kind of need this maybe earlier than what I thought. And instead of just sticking with the plan, which is never a good approach for nutrition, especially on race day, got to lean into what your instinct, your gut, especially if it's like starting to feel hungry, (laughs) like what your stomach's saying, like take it early. It's fine. And that's why I always encourage athletes have an extra gel with you. 
even if you think you're not going to take it, like, cause it's not going to surprise me, Austin, especially on race day. Like if you do five, 10, 15, 20, 23, yeah. you take that last one at 23 for the last five K and like, if Abby's holding the gel, if you have another one with you, mm-hmm. if they have your gels on course, like however you want to set that up for your success or for yourself to be successful. Um, but it's a fun way that you got to practice it in training and set yourself up to just win. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, that was a really important point that you made as far as how many carbohydrates are in the gels that I'm taking. I am taking, it's the awesome sauce one that you hit the nail on the head. Yes. With um, 180 <laughs> That's calories, <laughs> 45 grams of carbs. So that is a really high carbohydrate gel. And the reason I love that one, like I didn't just say, okay, I like spring energy. I'm going to take a spring energy gel, whatever one I have. No, I wanted the one that number one has the highest amount of carbohydrates. Number two, digest the easiest. And the thing about that awesome sauce gel is like, it is, it's like applesauce. So it goes down so easily. It's like a matter of five seconds and boom, we're done with it. Move on. And I feel it too. So I'll feel that, you know, within that next mile, there's an energy boost from those carbohydrates that I'm getting from the gel. So that was a very intentional decision. And I loaded up on those gels before my training run um, this past Saturday. And then the other thing, I'm glad you mentioned that potentially on race day, I'm going to want a gel near the end of that race. That is a very good possibility. Mm-hmm. I think an even better possibility from what I've found from my training runs in the past is that I want to make sure that I can grab a bottle somewhere in those last six miles. And there's a chance I may even hold that bottle for about a mile and sip on the water and carbohydrate powder and potentially an electrolyte powder also added into there. Sip on that somewhere in that last 10K of the marathon because I find that if the thing that will ruin my performance the most is if I start to feel dehydrated at all. And I feel like I really need water. It is the biggest performance drop that I've found even more than if I feel like maybe I could use another gel. So yeah, I think it's about not only setting yourself up for best case scenario, but also what about if it's the worst case scenario? What about if you are absolutely feeling depleted somewhere throughout the race? Are you prepared to take in more nutrition than you were planning for? Are you prepared to get in a little bit extra water or electrolytes than you were planning for? And that's something that I'm going to plan out. And again, I'll make sure to document this on my stories on Instagram of what is going into the preparation for this race. Because ideally, we're going to come out of this marathon and maybe I have a bottle that I didn't even touch. Maybe there's two gels that I didn't even take, but they were there just in case I needed them. Yeah. Which is the smart way to set yourself up for success for sure. Because the last thing you want to do is be on course, especially at mile 20 and thinking to yourself, Oh, I wish I had, I wish Abby had a bottle that she could give me right now, but we didn't think through this until right now in the moment. (laughs) Um, and I also love that you said sip, right? You're just sipping on the water. You're not guzzling it down. I think that's a big, um, I don't want to say mistake, but I'm going to say mistake like that athletes can make where they're just, if they get to that point of being dehydrated or feeling dehydrated, and then they start to consume water too rapidly and too often that can create a whole like 
stomach cramping issue and all the things. So I love that you're just going to sip on that. And you know that your body starts to uh, slow down and maybe underperform once, you know, maybe even slightly dehydrated, which is a great thing to know. I think just in general, anytime a body is starting to feel dehydrated, the performance is going to suffer. Um, so it's a great thing that you're dialing that in and you ran 10 miles at below goal pace without a handheld. So that was really fun to see too. Yeah, it was really interesting. And we can kind of close on this note, uh, yeah. watching the Boston marathon this past, um, year, a few weeks ago now, um, the female athletes. So if, if you watch the race, um, or if you didn't, there was a pretty close race between, um, the two females at the front of the pack. And it yeah. came down to really that last mile of the race. And I want to say they were at mile 24 and, um, one of the athletes took a bottle she did. and was kind of sipping on the bottle. They don't hold it for long. I mean, she took a few sips and threw it to the side. But what they said over the broadcast is that, you know, it's very rare to see an athlete take a bottle. However, there is a little bit of research on the fact that if you can even taste the, the sugar from whatever mix is in their bottle, obviously, it's very specific at that level for the elites. They know exactly what's in their bottle. Mm -hmm. And she got just a few sips and threw it to the side. And they said, you know, there's something to just getting that into your mouth, tasting that sugar, because it can give you that slight, slight boost. And they didn't even need to move the needle 1%. I mean, this was a very close race. They needed to move the needle a quarter of a percent to be able mm -hmm. to try to win the Boston Marathon. So just understanding that very, very small things over the course of a marathon can make a very big difference, but we have to try to figure out and identify what those, those variables are coming into the race. We need to understand what might be needed, what um, could help us, because if we don't consider what um, may move the needle and it's not there when we need it, a marathon's hard enough. Yeah. But if you're not fueled enough throughout the marathon, um, if you become dehydrated, if the weather is not um, as you'd like it to be, that marathon can quickly turn into a very, very big challenge, um, even more so than it, it should be in that final 8 to 10 to 10K. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All great points. Um, thank you for sharing your story. And uh, not only on Instagram, but here with us today, it was great to kind of hear how you dialed things in to set yourself up for success. We are two weeks out from your race. So it's exciting that you're in taper. We have our race strategy call next Monday. So, you know, maybe we'll talk about that next, next week on the podcast. Um, but awesome. Great to, to hear straight from you on everything that you're doing to set yourself up for success. Yeah, feeling great and really happy to be dialed into the mental side of things now. Yeah, like the physical work is done. And now it's all um, mental and preparatory. And, um, you know, this week's about kind of slowing down a little bit, embracing the taper. Next week's about, you know, race week preparations and integrating yeah. those things, establishing the race plan. Um, and I will be documenting all of that on social media because it's just something that I love to do. And it's really something that I look forward to helping athletes do as well through 
um, the Elevate Your Running coaching services that we offer. So if you're interested in following along with us, uh, following along with my journey towards the Buffalo Marathon on May 29th, um, you can do that through my personal Instagram at Austin Myers 12. You can also connect with the Elevate Your Running brand um, at Elevate Your Running us and you. Yeah, you cut out just a little bit there, Austin. So the Elevate Your Running at Instagram and Twitter. Personal account is Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy. Um, I also wanted to note, I um, hosted a summer runner program last week through, um, through Zoom. So if you're interested in learning all the ways to set yourself up for summer running, um, and for really great fall running. Um, we have a link in the description show notes to um, sign up to receive that replay. Um, I'm getting a lot of great feedback on tips and ideas and strategies that are setting runners up for six, up for success this summer. Um, so feel free to do that. And thank you everyone for listening today. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, and we'll see you next week. Have a great week.